So welcome back to our listeners. On this week's episode, I have one of my very best friends, Jessica Wierowski, on with me. Um, just a heads up for everyone listening, this is a little bit of a heavy topic this week. Um, it's very, very personal for Jessica and also for me and um, many of our other friends who are listening. Um, so I just, if anybody has anybody that they've lost in their life and they feel like this might be a difficult episode for you, I just kind of wanted to let you know. Um, but we'll start with a little bit of happiness. Um, thank you so much for being here today, Jess. It's so nice to see you, air quotes. <laughs> Agreed. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm really glad that you agreed to come on. Um, I was kind of on the struggle bus for a while on asking you if you'd be willing to come on and talk with me since I know even six years later, this is still obviously a very, very difficult subject to talk about um, for a lot of us, but definitely you, know, you more than anybody. And um, so I want to start with how we met. <laughs> um, which was undergrad because um, you and Renee forced me to be friends with you. Uh, and <laughs> which Renee still me. thankful we are. <laughs> I am. Because that friendship has lasted for almost 20 years now. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy. Um, so all joking so aside. Much has happened. <laughs> oh my gosh. Life. So much of life. Because, I mean, when we met, we were, what, 20? 20, 20-year-olds? 20 uh, Ish. Yeah, 20 at like 2001. So yeah, yeah, we were yeah. 20. Um, I was engaged, you were oh single. Renee, I think, was with somebody. We didn't even know our buddy Audrey yet. Well, Renee did, but we didn't. <laughs> we also forced to be our friend. Um, but we I'll are nice that. people, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of what I'm getting to is you are really nice people because I was out sick um with the flu for a couple days and I missed a couple of class periods and we were all assigned to these groups for a group project and even though you guys yeah. didn't notice me you noticed that I wasn't there and we're like oh whoever that girl is let's put her in our group so she can <laughs> come back and she's like screwed and has no group she's in um so I remember coming back and you guys were like oh hey you're in our group and I knew nobody I was at Western Michigan for two years and now you know here I am at Wayne State in this <laughs> classroom of people I've never met and I wasn't an outgoing person at the time by any means so which I'm sure shocks a lot of people who know me now but I don't uh, know that I was either though I don't think I was outgoing by any stretch of the imagination more so than I was, I was in the right I was in the right corner of the room though yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, so thank you again for forcing me to be your friend. Um, because it really has turned into this just amazing friendship. I mean, we've seen each other through marriage oh, wow. and kids and divorce and loss. And um, I mean, for all of us in our, our little groupies and, you know, still like I married a remarried last year and all of you came out to celebrate and it was amazing because I know that's not easy to do on a Friday when you live 300 miles away so um but worth it that's yeah, the I, friendships. yeah and if same 
all the way around. I'd do anything for all of you too. So, um, which brings me to um, our discussion today. And again, why I'm incredibly grateful because I was, like I said, afraid to ask you. Um, so I think once, you know, we talk through things and how we think it should go, um, you know, that's what we're going to do today. And again, I'm really, really grateful. Um, so we're going to be talking about um, Jessica and her husband, Tony, or as um, we lovingly know him, Tom, <laughs> which we'll, we'll get to how that happened. Um, sorry, Kenny, we're throwing you under the bus. Um, <laughs> It's all um, good. It's all good. Yeah. So let's start with how you and Tone met. So we met back in 2003 at a bar, nonetheless. We met in 2003 at the bar. Um, we ended up realizing that night that we had a mutual friend. Um, Thank you, Kenny, for that, by the way. <laughs> I had just started grad school. I didn't really think I was looking for anything, but it all just felt right at that point in time, and things continued on and on and on until we got married. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, we got married in 2007 in a very long, long, long wedding ceremony. It was long. It was very long. A little dramatic. <laughs> a little dramatic, but we all made it out of the church okay. <laughs> Just people were passing out. It was hot. <laughs> Jessica included. <laughs> Including me. So embarrassing, but it is what it is. Um, the story. We, the story will never, ever go away, and that's okay. It's a great memory. Exactly. Um, and then we managed to party it up all the, all the rest of the night with our family and friends. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So then comes little people. Yeah. Um, in March 18th, 2010, we had Ethan. Yay! Um, oh, he was so darn cute. He was so cute. He, he was a day late and I couldn't. I couldn't get him out quick enough. Good golly. <laughs> Hi, that's for sure. Um, Tony was always a really proud father and was so excited to be able to come home every night from work and read books and play Legos and you name it. He did it. He was always so excited to be with us. That's for sure. So um, just a little background on Tony. So he was diagnosed with leukemia at age 19, correct? Yes. And went through? No, no, it was before that. He was a junior in high school. Oh, okay. So around 17, 16, yes. 17. Okay. Yes. So he was a junior in high school. He missed pretty much that whole year of school, I think. Um, and at that point, he went out to U of M in Ann Arbor and had treatment for leukemia. Um, I knew that he was part of a study, but I also know that he didn't talk a whole lot about those days. Mm -hmm. They were rough for him. They were really, really rough with everything that he saw and all of the kids and everything that he came across in a, and during his stays there. So he had already gone through the leukemia 
And because of that, he, over the next couple of years after that, he had both of his hips replaced. Um, okay. He had avascular necrosis, and so both of his hips had been replaced. So that was a learning experience once we started dating further and started flying places for vacation, because mm-hmm. we always got close <laughs> to the side and wanted special. So that was always a learning curve, but we got through that. Um, so, but one of the one of the things he always kind of worried about was having kids down the road and mm-hmm. what would happen to his kids and if there was a chance his kids could have could have cancer or anything else. And we mm-hmm. never knew the answer to that, but we knew that what he did have was not genetic, something that would get passed down. Okay. To our children. Um, so one question I have, and this stems a little from another conversation we had in a different episode um, several episodes ago with another guest, but when you and Tony were discussing marriage in your future, was this a topic that came up that there's a possibility of a recurrence? Absolutely. Okay. I also work in healthcare. Um, So we met in school, I ended up becoming the speech pathologist who works in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I work with patients that have gone through so much. Mm -hmm. I knew that cancer was absolutely going to come again at some point in his life. So you had kind of mentally prepared yourself that this probably was going to happen. Absolutely. Okay. Because I don't know that's a discussion that you and I have ever actually He would always say to me, oh, you can't get that twice. You can't get that twice. And I would just look at him and say, if we are ever in a doctor's office and the doctor looks at you and says you have cancer, I'm going to hit you on the shoulder. Like I'm going to hit you. Mm -hmm. And he said, and then I'm going to turn to the doctor and say, do you see what I put up with? And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, (laughs) leave it to him. So yes, there was many talks of what could happen in the future and mm-hmm. how that would look. Okay. Sure. So I know you guys had, he was having his annual oncology appointments and typically things were moving along fine. Um, so going from, you know, age 16, 17, when he's diagnosed, now we're fast forwarding, what, roughly 15 years after that? 16, 17? Yes. Um, yes. So let's, let's get in to that. And as you know, at any point, if you don't want to talk about this anymore, by all means, just tell me. Um, okay, of course. So I remember seeing you guys at Ethan's birthday party in March of 13. Yeah. And, uh, and huh? We, we had just gotten his diagnosis at that point too. Okay. Um, Okay. That was still very fresh (laughs) with everything going on. We really were still just floored. Um, He had ended up with what we thought was a canker sore on his tongue on the left Mm -hmm. side. Um, It, it didn't seem to bother him. So we tried all the home remedies. I was getting annoyed because I didn't know what else to tell him to do. Mm-hmm. You know, everything I could think of wasn't working or wasn't helping. And I finally said, oh my gosh, just go to the dentist. 
just go, just go to the dentist, see what they have to say. <laughs> so he did. He went to his dentist who he had seen his whole life practically. And he called in another um, colleague. Nobody knew what they were looking at. The next day, all of a sudden now he has an appointment with an oral surgeon to get a biopsy. Okay. So that's when everything starts flooding. The brain starts running and racing with, oh my gosh, this can't be happening. Like, no, 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 it's, it's going to be nothing. It's going to be nothing. Well, a few days later, it in fact was something. He was diagnosed with squamous cell carcinoma in the tongue. Um, that took a lot from, out of all of us. None of us really saw that happening. None of us had ever, our family or friends, nobody knew what that meant. Nobody had ever dealt with anybody that had had a neck cancer like this before. So this was a whole new ball game. And even at work, even though this is something that I do for a living, I saw patients maybe once a year. Like I did not have the exposure to this that I do now at this point in my life. Mm -hmm. um, so after the diagnosis, we got hooked up with a doctor down at Carmano's in Detroit. And in April of 13, he had a surgery that lasted about 12 or 13 hours. <clears throat> they removed part of his tongue. They took all the lymph nodes in his neck. He, they took his wisdom teeth. They put a tracheostomy in him. They removed tissue from his arm to build his tongue back up. And then they took skin grafts from his leg to cover the wound on his arm. He spent the next uh, almost two weeks in the hospital at that point in time. Um, we didn't really have many answers when we left the hospital. We didn't know what it was still, if it was um, if they had gotten it all or if they thought that it had traveled anywhere else. Mm -hmm. um, so he came home, started on just some liquid, like a liquid diet at that point in time. And shortly after he got home, we did find out that they had found cancer in some of the other lymph nodes that they had taken out. I think two of the lymph nodes had cancer in them. And at that point, they got him started for chemo and radiation. So we went through July, I think. Uh, he had daily radiation. Every couple weeks, he would have to go spend the night in the hospital with um, getting his chemo overnight. Um, that brought back a lot of trauma for him. With everything that he had been through at U of M, he struggled with being away from home and away from Ethan and I. Mm -hmm. um, he hated to see that chemo bag hanging above his head that I remember there were a lot of pictures when he was spending the night um, but then the next day he would go down and get his radiation therapy and we had so many family members and friends that were helping us out every day of the week was a different person that would drive him down wait there with him and then drive him back so we were so fortunate to have that I do remember that your support system period it's just i can't incredible. even incredible it's just yeah. your family your friends like it just yeah to i'm still in awe of all the support you continue to have 
from your yes, family. I'm a big me fan too. of your parents anyway. <laughs> I love your mom and dad so much. They're but pretty awesome. Just, they're very awesome. Not just pretty awesome. Debbie and Jim, I love you. You're awesome. <laughs> pretty awesome. You're awesome. Um, but I will say, I mean, even to this day, it, it just shows what an incredibly close-knit family you all are mm -hmm. and how much not just supporting you but how much you all just continue to support each other i see you supporting your parents your siblings their families and how they support you and i just it just it never ceases to amaze me like how incredible they are and not only that but i think just how you built this incredible group of friends around you as well and how oh, yeah. you know you pour so much of yourself into all of us and I hope I'm even giving half of that back to you because you are just oh, absolutely. an incredible friend and, you know, godmother to Will and just, you know, you're just, you're awesome. <laughs> it's so well, funny. Thank you. Oh, um, no, thank you. Um, but sorry, not dinner. I just really wanted to stress how amazing your support system is. Um, well, they are. Thank you. Absolutely. They are. And I mean, I don't even know. I still don't really understand how we got through all of that other than our our village basically is what yeah. we call them. Yeah. I mean, I was a wife. I took care of my husband. I set up all of his appointments. And while I wasn't the one driving him to all these appointments, I was working full time and trying right. to still be a mom. And, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's tough to realize the, the chaos that in a consumed our lives at that point because nowadays I think oh my gosh my life is so chaotic but when I really think back this is nothing like what we went through back then was hardcore yeah yeah but from someone who is I mean I wasn't none of us were on the inside like you are so I'll say from the outside looking in um you guys handled it from our perspective anyway with a lot of grace and strength and i mean we know it was hard yeah i mean i had those conversations and those phone calls and those nights with you that i know it was hard but i think from an outside perspective i'm like how in the hell are they doing this i can't even begin to i i would be a mess like how are they how are they doing this since this all started, my life motto general, genuinely is, it is what it is and you do what you got to do. Because I wasn't asked, hey, do you want to deal with all of this? Do you want your husband to get ill? Do you, you know, do you have time for this in your schedule? I didn't have anybody come up to me and ask me those things. And of course I would have said absolutely not. But I wasn't given the option. And so I knew that I just needed to do whatever it took to get us through this storm because not, not people would have stood up yes and done it but somebody still had to be the one the master I don't want to say the mastermind but somebody still had to be the one choreographing it all and getting right. it all put right. together right so Tony goes through treatment and he comes home yep um, treatments over Treatment's over. We learned September 11th of that year, 2013, that he had a clean bill of health. 
he was deemed no evidence of disease. Um, that was a pretty amazing text message to get. I was at work and that was awesome to hear that. It just, I still can visualize what that looked like at that point in time. Mm -hmm. um, so shortly after that, Ethan started school. Oh no, Ethan had started school, but we were getting back into the swing of it all. And he went back to work. We were mm -hmm. trying to still get him healed up. Um, mm -hmm. At that point in time, he was really having a hard time eating and drinking. And mm -hmm. for anybody that knows what a speech pathologist does in the hospital, we deal with swallowing. And so the swallowing issues that he had, the wounds that he had, all of the medical supplies in my house, I don't know how anybody would do that if they didn't have medical background. Pathologist do it. I, I yeah. mean... If you're not a nurse or somebody that's working in the hospital and has done that before, Maybe. I would I would have been scared out of my mind. Um, but at least I had that much going for myself. I at least knew what I was doing, and that the trach and all of that. Even though I was not the speech therapist that ever enjoyed working with somebody with a trach. Yeah, I distinctly I, remember you saying that, and I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> when you said he had to have a trach, I was like, "Oh." That, that already stinks for a lot of reasons, but yes. Jessica doesn't like drakes. She doesn't I like didn't. Deal with them. <laughs> I really didn't. I, I wasn't super comfortable with working with them. And uh, that's changed now. Yeah, now yeah. I know. Now you I know. I have a pretty good idea of what I'm doing now. <laughs> unfortunately, I learned pretty quickly, too. <laughs> yeah, and for not the, the right reasons, unfortunately. Not for the fun reason. No. Um, okay, so Tones going back to work life is moving forward and getting back yeah. into a group of things and then you get a special little surprise yes um a few months later in march we realized we were pregnant again Yay! number two is on their way so ethan just turned four yep ethan, number two is on the way number two is on the way holy cow like <laughs> Life is great. At this point in time, he's cancer-free. Ethan's, you know, jumping out, just bounding along the way with school and learning things. And poof, now we're going to add in another baby to the mix. <laughs> Happy chaos. Happy chaos. Exactly. It hasn't stopped. And it. he's almost six now. <laughs> no, yeah, no. He definitely brought... <laughs> some chaos to the family for sure. Um, so I remember being at work one day and again, newly pregnant, nobody really knew it other than my immediate family and immediate coworkers that needed to know for work sake. Mm -hmm. um, and Tony had dropped Ethan off at my aunt's house and went down and had an appointment done, a follow-up at a Hermano's. And we knew that there was this weird spot in his cheek that was kind of annoying him. Mm -hmm. And so I said, well, go and ask them today what, what, what to do about it. Mm -hmm. So that day I was at work and he texted me that they had done a quick biopsy on the cheek, but now they're setting him up for some scans the following week. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, no, 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 this can't be anything. We're okay. We've done this. Mm -hmm. um, 
And then he left that appointment. I ended up getting a phone call from the nurse practitioner, who was amazing, Donna Carmano. And she said, so his labs weren't quite back before he left, but now that we have his labs back, we need him to come back to the hospital ASAP. Um, his calcium was super high and a couple of the things that he needed to come down and get some fluids. Mm -hmm. I said, okay. So I finally got a hold of him literally as he was walking into my aunt's house because he never answered the phone when he was driving. Mm -hmm. And that was well before the days of the speaker phone, Bluetooth stuff. Yeah. So at that point, I left work pretty much hysterical and had to drive him, pick him up and drive him back down to the hospital because they were telling me he absolutely could not drive himself back down to the hospital mm -hmm. for liability's sake. I'm like, okay. So we get him to the emergency room and the doctor, you know, I did, I did kind of make a comment. I said, you know, they, they just took a biopsy today of his, of the spot in his cheek and they wanted him to do a CT. Is there any way we can get the CT done while he's here in the ER? Why have to make a separate, second trip. And they said, okay, well, well, let's see what's going on. Let's get the fluids going and go from there. I said, sure thing. So he's laying there pretty quiet. He gets the fluids going. I, a little while later, a doctor comes back in and says, so good news and bad news. I said, okay. He said, good news is we're going to get that scan done on you tonight. But the bad news is you have to spend the night. And all I can think of is, oh my gosh, I have to go home and get my kid, who is a complete daddy's boy, and mm -hmm. really wanted nothing to do with me for the most part. <laughs> oh, and I'm pregnant, so now I'm exhausted on top of it, and I didn't really, right. I have worked all day. I didn't really want to be the only parent either. Right. So, went home on my own, got Ethan, got home, got to bed. Um... The next day I went back down to the hospital and we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting and we're trying to just get these CT results. Anybody that walked in the door, do you have the results? Do you have the results? Nobody would ever look at us. And I, I, I you know, thinking back, like I knew that they knew something was up and I knew that they yeah. couldn't tell us because again, I work in healthcare and I know what this is like. Right. And well, and not only that, you Tone's already been through this process twice. Yeah. You've been through it with him as well. Yeah. So, I mean, at, at this point. Yeah. Just tell us what it is. Like, this right. isn't, just tell us what's going on. I don't like not knowing. I'm not a very patient person, if you will. Um, um, no. Anybody that knows me knows that. Very type A. <laughs> very. So, very, very, very. So, that was extremely difficult. Um, for us sitting there not yeah. knowing anything. So finally the doctor walks in, looks at both of us, sits down and says, you have cancer again. And now it is stage four. It has metastasized. It started in his parotid gland, which was the spot in his cheek. Mm -hmm. and it went to around his lungs and his pubic bone. All I could think of is, wait a minute, I am seven weeks pregnant. There is no way that we can do this right now. Like, there's no way. No, I, I, I kept saying, I'm like, you, 
I was there for you last year. You're there for me this year. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't the case. So, um, this is where it gets tough because I knew what that diagnosis meant. And I knew that it wasn't going to be an easy road. But there we were, back on it, trying to get whatever needed to be done done while pregnant, caring for a four-year-old, working, and being exhausted. Just mentally, physically, you name it, mm -hmm. we were exhausted. Yeah. But I had to do what I had to do for my kids, too because now I needed to take care of myself too, because I was growing a human. Um, so after going through that process, he started the chemo rounds again. Um, they put him in a couple of different trials. They tried different things throughout spring and summer, trying to just do whatever possible. He ended up having to get a feeding tube in his stomach because he was not keeping weight on him at all. Um, it was just constant. There was so much going on and so much had to be done. Again, between working and managing the family needs. Um, and eventually he had a second opinion appointment at U of M in August. Um, unfortunately, for various reasons, I couldn't be at that appointment, um, but I was able to listen in on the phone, which was a very big deal for me. I needed to be sure that I was hearing what the doctor was telling him right. about this possible trial and all this other stuff, because in my heart of hearts, I knew what was coming. Yeah. And he did too. And I didn't want him just putting himself through misery. Yeah. So, um, it was that appointment that he decided to come home with hospice care and be at home for the rest of his days. So now we're flipping into a whole new gear and instead of running him to and from appointments all the time and this and everything else, we were going to be home. And yeah, we weren't. So people ask me all the time how I did it. How did I get through it? How did we get to that point? I mean, again, I'm a wife, a mom. I'm pregnant again. I work full time. Oh, and by the way, I was an insomniac that second pregnancy. That That was fun. Never knew that was a symptom of pregnancy. So there wasn't a whole lot of sleep happening. Mm -hmm. um, but for us, I do know that with God's grace, we managed to get through it. Um, again, our family and friends in our village at school and church were, I mean, they were all impeccable with everything. They helped us with housework, daycare, helping Tony and me getting anywhere we needed to be, um, groceries, food, just everything. I mean, we had the prayers coming in 
hard and fast, which we needed as well. So August 2014, Tony got an ambulance drive home and he was able to be at home with us for a week. We had visitors, we had hospice workers in and out. Um, it was nice just being able to sit there and chat with him again. Um, he was the one that took care of the finance stuff at home and he was able to show me the ropes because I only knew how to spend the money. I didn't know how to like <laughs> save money or pay the bills or anything like that. I just knew that I was allowed to shop until he told me I couldn't shop anymore and then I would stop. So he showed me all of that. Um, most important, we were able to come up with our the baby boy's name because we did find out we were having a boy and we shared this pregnancy around, um, mm -hmm. but we were able to sit down together and come up with his name. Good. So that was a big deal for us because yeah. I didn't want to get in trouble for picking the wrong name <laughs> yeah. because, you know, Tone also, we should say, had a very great sense of humor. Oh, he was my very gosh. sarcastic. He, he had a very dark sense of humor. But here's the thing. He was like kind of deceptive. Oh, yeah. Because he would come off as like this very like quiet, quiet. sensitive yeah. man. And then he'd <laughs> say something and you're like, holy shit. Did that just Where come out? Where did that come mouth? from? <laughs> including his nickname so this is the part of the podcast where we throw kenny under the bus i'm sorry ken. <laughs> so and does does ken know this story i think so I he think okay he well if he doesn't he will now you're gonna learn uh, it now <laughs> you're gonna learn it now so we were at i don't even know where we were but i believe Kenny was there. It was a was party. A party. My graduation party, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Cool. That yes, I think that was it. I think that was um, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which I spent most of the time of your graduation party in the bathroom because I was pregnant with Maddie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, well, the fact yeah. is, kids do to our bodies. Oh, <laughs> Those girls, man. Those girls were wicked pregnancies. Anywho, um, so yes, and um, so that was the first time I had met because your graduation party was before your wedding correct yes okay yes. We so then that engaged. was the first time we had met Kenny and you always referred to him as Kenny because and I grew up with him and right, growing up right. with children his name is still Kenny to me it is what it is I'm sorry well it is to me too I'm Facebook everything <laughs> I'm like Kenny Kenny um oh so you introduced us and Renee and I were like oh you're Kenny and he's like it's Ken and just the air about it, we were kind of like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Like, we didn't mean to offend you. I'm really, really sorry. Like, I genuinely felt bad. So, again, tone being a quiet word. There are not many words, quiet man. Um, so we walked around, I'm like, um, I'm like, hey, Tony, I think we offended Kenny. And he looks at me dead in the eyes, like deadpan expression, goes, it's tone. Yes. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And yes. that's all we called him <laughs> ever. Like that's, that's what my kids know him as. Like he's Uncle Tone. Well, and <laughs> my so then parents call him Tone. Like it's yes. just. 
Yes. And it, it spread throughout our family as well, because That's when your kids started calling him that, and then when I had my first niece on our side, we, my brothers and I growing up, we had an uncle Tony, but he was uh-huh. this big, uh, uncle Tony. Man, and it was uncle Tony and uncle Tony. <laughs> I love you dear, but sorry, you're not an uncle Tony. And so the first day we all were sitting together as a family and we're meeting Nora and they said, Oh, go, you know, here, uncle Tony. And my brother and I looked at each other and I said, <laughs> uh, that doesn't work. <laughs> and they said, no. yeah, that, that, that doesn't fit. <laughs> what should we do? I said, well, our friends call him Uncle Tone. And so Tone stuck in my family too. So it wasn't yep. just you guys. Nope. It did make its way into our yep. family as well. And that's yep. how he was known was Uncle Tone or Tone. Yeah, it was, it's just to this day, it's still hilarious <laughs> it's to me. Yes. That, well, and then like, our friend Dan, Andre's husband, took a little note from that too, because one day Liam came up and he's like, "What's your name?" And he's like, "I'm Uncle Batman," <laughs> and that's all the kids. Again, when I'm like, "Yeah, Dan, Dan, Dan," he's like, "Dan," I'm like, "Uncle Batman." He's like, "Oh, right, okay." <laughs> in close defense, there's so many Dans in my family that you know. Yeah. We have oh to. yeah. But it's oh, just yeah. yeah, just the the tone thing just stuck, <laughs> and I just it's weird for me to even call him Tony because. Yeah just not what I call it. <laughs> it's always just in tone. Oh yeah. Fun times, fun times. Yeah. But that's, I mean, it works and it, it did. did and it worked it well. Did. Oh, and gosh. huge Simpsons fan as well. Yes. And Lego. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. And you know, he was a bike rider. He was a reader. Mm-hmm. He, he just loved to be outside and yeah hang out and again quietly though hysterically because mm-hmm. that was his yep mo exactly yeah. exactly not a man of many words but when he said something oh my gosh it was <laughs> i mean you were either family. laughing or standing there with your jaw hitting the floor like what did he just say yes. what just happened i oh. mean my family felt the same way they would go on vacation not knowing him that well and by the time we all got home whoa who's that i mean yep. nobody nobody no knew who idea. that was no not at but all. yet him and i could sit and chat for hours and oh, hours yeah. and hours yeah and everybody thought i was crazy when i said that they just looked at me and said oh yeah but you did all the talking nope 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 that wasn't no he was such a smart and yeah. insightful person and absolutely yeah he just yeah enjoyed him immensely yeah mentally yes yes so Um, with that being said so he was home with hospice for about a week um and august 22nd he drew his last breath in our house um that was not easy not fun none of it um i just remember that day like i sent out one text i think to my mom and next thing I know, my house was filled with people. Yeah. Our entire family, friends, you name it, our pastors, everybody mm-hmm. showed up. I didn't know where they were coming or where they were going to sit, but they just came. It was surreal to be around everybody, but feel so alone at the same time. 
Yeah. And I'll absolutely say it once, and I said it before, when they took him out of the house, because um, I was supposed to go and have a meeting that day with a uh, um, funeral home, who was a longtime family friend from church. And he passed before I was able to get ready and leave for that appointment. And so once the hospice ladies came back and started what they needed to do, um, they contacted the funeral home and they came and said, they're like, you know, usually it takes an hour or two for them to get here. So just be prepared for that. I said, okay, no problem. Within 20 minutes, they were in my driveway. And I remember the hospice nurse looking at me going, how does that even happen? That never happens. And I said, well, first of all, I was supposed to meet with them today. So they were prepared for me to come around now anyways. Mm-hmm. And second of all, I've known these people my whole life. So yeah. of course they're there the second you meet them. And that's just how they are. Um, so that day, um, I became a solo mom. I became a widow. And I did not know how I was going to do it. Um, Raising a kid by yourself is one of the hardest things to do. Because I'm the only one that can make the decisions. And I have to discipline and I have to be the fun mom. But I also have to continue to teach them things that their dad would have done and not me. Watching your kid grieve the fa- their loss of their father was is still devastating. I, uh, I don't have any other words to say for it. It was just devast- it still is just devastating to do. Um, and at this point, again, I'm seven months pregnant. Right. So I'm doing it as an insomniac pregnant lady who could barely walk across the grocery store because I was just tired. Um, yeah. So this is when our family and friends even never thought they could, but they stepped up even more than they had over the past year. Um, they came in and helped me get the house back together. They came in and rearranged things. They redecorated. They helped me get things cleaned out because now I've got all of these medical equipment supplies everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I had a four-year-old and a newborn coming. So now I have to get the medical supplies out so that I can get the baby stuff in and do that whole flip. Um, never expected to do all of that as a widow. Absolutely not. That never really had even crossed my mind. One thing I will say in that whole process, um, is that 
you know, obviously we are all very worried about you and for you because you were dealing with a horrible life situation and carrying a baby on top of that. Um, But I remember being at the funeral home with your mom the evening prior to the funeral, standing there talking to your mom and trying to hold my shit together because I don't like to be like that in front of people. Um, Oh, who does? Exactly. But your mom was doing a good job and then she and I started talking and we both just lost it. But I said what I said earlier about your support system and, you know, let me know what I can do. I know I'm 300 miles away, but I'll do anything you need me to do. And she looked at me and said, honestly, Eve, Jessica's the one carrying all of us through this. She's like, her strength is absolutely unbelievable. And I don't know where she's getting that strength from, but she said, Jessica's the one getting all of us through this. And to this day, that still sticks out in my mind because she was completely right. And then I remember going and seeing you sitting back there with your feet up, us trying to shove a sandwich down your throat. I was trying to not, I was trying to not pass out. That's why I was sitting. I know. Again, and Lizzie and I pregnant. standing there like, just eat a freaking sandwich, Jessica. Um <laughs> And you, you were like, no, I have to do this and this and this. And we are finally just like, sit in the freaking chair. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen, like, Liz is the sweetest person in the world. I've never seen, like, daggers come out of her eyes. But I, they came out and they were about to hit you in the back, girl. She's like, sit down. And you're like, okay. <laughs> but what I want to I mean, say but it is was, that. Like, a revolving door that night. I had oh, totally. to be out there to say hi to people. And yes, thankfully everybody was bringing me food and water to just keep Yeah, definitely. Well, it even got to a point, I know oh when, when Lizzie and I were back there, people were trying to come talk to you and we were like, no, like we're not trying to be crappy, <laughs> but no, like she no. has to. And like, that was kind of like with our kids, when you finish your dinner, you can go about your business. And that's kind of where we were at with that. <laughs> Yeah, um, but I needed that. I needed that guidance yeah. because clearly I wasn't doing it on my own. <laughs> so thank you for looking out for my unborn child at that point. <laughs> well, he's my buddy. He's my buddy. That's right. And quite possibly my future son-in-law. So, um, <laughs> fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about moving forward. Because obviously, and if anybody has ever said to you about getting over it, let me know and I'll kick them in the shin. Oh. But, um, oh, that's I'm, not. I'm, honestly, I'm, I'm really impressed that I haven't been arrested for throat punching people because people say the stupidest things to you mm-hmm. when they find out that you're a widow and you've had a loss like that. And it's just like, no, it's not the same as your friend's uncle. Like, it's just not. Like, don't, don't try to play that off. I understand you lost your pet. And while that's heartbreaking, were they helping to raise your children? Were they helping to pay your bills? Were they cutting the grass? Were they taking care of the snow? Was that dog okay, the love of your life? I... 
Right. I, I mean, I've lost right. a dog. Who it, helped it you create children? Hurts, but it's not, I would never of compare course. losing my and pet I, to losing my husband. That's just not, it's not, but no. people say the stupidest things to you. <laughs> do you. Do you think some of those stupid things, and I, I don't, I don't know, it's just simply why I'm asking, like, they're trying to do it from the goodness of their hearts, or are their mouths just oh, working faster than their brains? Both, I think. I, I don't think people realize what they say, but, I, and I, I get it. Ethan had this, and this is all tone, sense of humor coming out of the children. <laughs> oh, I've seen it with your kids sometimes. Oh, oh, man. We'd be walking through the store at a restaurant and somebody would say something here. I, again, pregnant kid mm -hmm. who would think there isn't a father in the picture mm -hmm. and people would say something about, Oh yeah, something you're, you know, go ask your dad or something. And my, and Ethan, who's four and a half at this point would just look right at them and say, well, my daddy's dead. I was oh like, God. come on, kid. Oh, my God. Seriously, can we not do this right now? Because then the, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. And where are they doing yeah, yeah, it's everything that follows after. So, no, they're not thinking about it. And, no, they don't mean to be hurtful. But, good golly, just zip yeah. it. Just say I'm sorry and walk away. <laughs> right. Please, that's all you got to do. Right. Yeah, so, it, it gets to be a little tough. Well, yeah, I mean, and not only that, you shouldn't, it, it's such a, a personal, I mean, it's, it, I, I, I it's gotta be trauma. I mean, that's all there is to it. Yeah. It, it's trauma. For everybody, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then to have to explain something so personal and so painful to somebody you don't even know, it just, right. the constant, I, it, a constant reliving of something like that I it has to be yeah. mentally and emotionally draining on for all of you absolutely right. um so and how nobody looks at me and says oh you look like a widow like nobody looks at you and says oh yeah she's not divorced she's just widowed like nobody does so it's a complete shock to everybody's system sure especially when I'm pregnant like mega pregnant right uh, you, you, I feel I felt bad every time Ethan did it to people, but sometimes I was like, "Geez, Tom, maybe therapeutic for Ethan on some level." Yeah, I mean, well, that was that was just his sense of humor too. <laughs> Thanks, I mean, Tom. Seriously, yeah, I frequently look up and be like, "Okay, I got it. Thanks. I get it. We cannot do that again soon. <laughs> Can we skip that next time?" Oh, hi, so. Um, so then Noah comes along in November. Yep, November 13th. Fire. Flying into the world. Literally. Oh my gosh, she was almost born on 994. That was, a, <laughs> that was a trip to remember for sure. And hasn't slowed down since. No. Oh my gosh. But I will say that first year of his life for mm -hmm. me was a complete, is still a complete blur. I. Right. I feel horrible to admit this, but I don't remember it. You um, shouldn't. You were on so many emotional levels with oh, so many horrible. things that happened in your life. Yeah. How could you be expected to right. remember every single little detail? But now, like, I'm thankful for Facebook memories. 
because yeah. I get to see that first year of his life again. Mm -hmm. But then I don't like Facebook memories certain times of the year either because right. there's all those memories. Then there's everything again. But yeah, I was numb as numb could be. And that is something that nobody prepares you for. Nobody warns you about. Um, is it kind of like a survival mode, do you think? Yes, you just kind of absolutely. put yourself in survival mode? Well, so think of it this way. You remember what that newborn stage was like with a baby. Yes, you're, you're in survival. You're in mm -hmm. survival mode. Yeah. So I was doing it double duty because right. now I have a newborn and I'm a widow. So right. I don't have... Yes, I had my family with me the first week. I was somebody was with me around the clock, and mm -hmm. I am forever indebted to them for that. Um, but you know, those months that follow, you don't have somebody to nudge at night and say, "Oh my gosh, it's your turn. This kid's been up all night." Right? Nope, still me. It's you. It's it still you. is. Yeah. Um, that was when I quickly learned my love for espresso, <laughs> and have never looked back. <laughs> because that was my coping mechanism yeah was espresso and that's how I got through but I got yeah. through and that was the thing that I forced myself to do um yes I absolutely could have slept in day slept in my bed for days and just cried all day but that doesn't pay the bills that doesn't mm -hmm. feed your children that doesn't do anything and so I had to early on make that decision that said, no, you have to, you have to get up. You have to do this. Yeah. This is, you know, God's got a plan for you. And by his grace, you're going to get through this. And you're either going to go one way or the other. And at that point in time, I had to choose the smart way for me and my family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, we got Ethan into the Henry Ford Sandcastles program, which is an amazing program that helps children with grief. Okay. Um, he, you know, went to school all day and saw everybody else in his class have mom and dad. And some yeah. mom and dads maybe were divorced, and, but they still had a mom and a dad. Right. So he didn't have anybody else that didn't have a parent on this planet. Mm -hmm. So he was able to get into that program through Henry Ford. Um, it was amazing. It was exactly what he needed at that point in time. He needed to see what it looked like for other kids not to have a mom or a dad. Um, we actually just got Noah placed onto the waiting list for Sandcastles as well. Um, Ethan did decide to stop going after a couple years in the program. Um, so now Noah's on the wait list because after starting school for him, mm -hmm. he every once in a while comes home and he just realizes, Hey mom, I don't have a dad and all my other friends do. Yeah. So I realize, you know, Ethan's been seeing a therapist for a number of years at this point that has been fabulous for him, but Noah's still a little too young. I feel for one-on-one -on -one therapy. Mm -hmm. So I'm working on getting him into um, the grief support program for kids with Henry Ford as well. Although this year in kindergarten, he does have a friend. Um, unfortunately, a friend of mine lost her husband just over six months ago. Aww. And so, but they're in kindergarten together. So it's so, they both need this. They both need to realize that I'm not alone. Like yeah. he came home to yeah. me one day and said, mom, Josie doesn't have a dad either. 
or Josie's dad died too. And I said, yeah, honey, I know that he passed. So yeah, they're, they're getting to be buddy, buddy, which is good for our mom hearts too. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. I, cause my, my next question for you was going to be about Noah. Cause I know you've mentioned that, you know, in the, especially in the last year or so he's started asking more questions because I imagine that while the boys both have grief, they're grieving differently because while Ethan was very young when Tom passed away, he still has memories of his dad. And unfortunately, Noah will never physically like know his dad or be able to make those memories. So how 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 do you handle Noah asking questions or or wanting to know yeah more so it's it's tough um we've always talked about daddy daddy is always a topic of conversation in our house and you know yeah. even just as a oh yeah that's something daddy would have done or <laughs> them asking questions about what he enjoyed and what he did this that and everything else actually Noah asked me a couple months back during the summer what did daddy like to do and so I was trying to get him down for bed that night and I was just telling him oh daddy would take these bike rides and he would go for hours and hours and hours and I would be so worried about him because at that time he didn't have like a phone well he we did finally figure out a tracking app on his phone but I had no idea if he was lying in a ditch somewhere or if he was just taking an extra far bike ride because he would always pick the most humid days of the entire summer Uh, to do like four mile bike rides or four (laughs) hour bike rides for 30 plus miles lo and behold Noah learned to ride his bike on two wheels that week no joke He was so bound and determined after he found out that daddy rode his bike to do it that he, he did. He just up and my uncle came over, took off his training wheels and poof, within the week he was learning, he was riding on two wheels. You love it. Yeah. So, you know, we talk a lot about Tony, Tone, I'm sorry. We talk about a lot about him. (laughs) Um, Both of my kids have daddy bears that were made for them by a dear friend um, out of Tony's clothing. Um, I made both mm-hmm. of them. I found bags of his old t-shirts and work shirts and things like that, that I had turned into a daddy blanket for both of them for Christmas last year. Um, one of the things that I did for Noah, because yes, Ethan has some memories but he has pictures of him being with daddy that we can mm-hmm. look back on and talk about. Um, yeah. And Noah doesn't have that. So it is, a, it, it's hard enough learning to help guide your child through grief. But then I have a whole new scenario of grief where I, I don't know how to help him because he's never had anything else base it off of. Um, I did end up making Noah a daddy book with pictures of Tony and all the things that he would enjoy growing up that Noah also likes to do. So playing baseball, riding his bike, building a snowman, fishing, (laughs) swimming, you name it. 
Yeah. Um, so when, when things get rough, we do have some tools like that, that we will Good. pull out and look at and, you know, reminisce and cry and that's okay. It's, they, they've absolutely learned it's okay to cry. Mm -hmm. Mom cries too. And it is yeah. what it is. We're going to get through it. Um, Cause that's one thing. This journey is you never, you just don't know what's around the corner anymore. Yeah. So it's one day at a time. So for anybody listening, who's going through what you are, what would you, what would you say? What do you wish someone would have told you? What would you tell any husbands or wives that are either going through this process that you and Tone went through or, you know, unfortunately might be in that widow, widower stage, whether early, later, at any point? Um, absolutely. The biggest thing that I learned was to give yourself a whole lot of grace. Um, life happens. Things are always going to change. No, I don't know how I did it. Other than there's some amazing angels on this planet that helped me through this and got us mm -hmm. through this. Um, personally, the relationship that I have with God is stronger than ever at this point in time. And I never really anticipated that. A lot of people tend to lose faith when they travel these roads. Um, I went the opposite and I jumped wholehearted into my faith. Um, my life motto is and always will be. It is what it is. You do what you got to do. Um, especially with my kids, I tend to choose my battles now. I am not the mom. I am a yeller of a mom. It is who I am. We have our days. We all have our days. But there are some things that, sure, have at it. Enjoy. Yeah. Go for it. Because there's enough wrong in this world that I don't need my kids to always be hearing no, no, no. Don't mm -hmm. do that. Don't do this. Um, because we don't get a choice. We don't get a choice of how life always goes. So right. when we can have a fun choice, we try to do it and try to stick with it as best we can. Um, but yeah, it's with my kids especially, don't let anybody tell you how or when to grieve. Um, people like to tell you, oh, it's been this long. You should be doing this now. Nope. Nope. There's, there's nope. no process for no. that at all. Whatever not you might be all. grieving. And there's not an order to it. There's not a, and one day you can be going along perfectly fine. And the next day something just like smacks you in the face and completely out of the blue. Done for the day. Yeah. Just, and, and that's okay. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Tomorrow's a new day and we'll Absolutely. get past this and get through that too. And it, it's okay. Um, the other thing to be remembered to do is to talk about them. Say his name, tell the stories, go through the memories because your kids will learn more about him. I learn more about him when people tell me the stories um, because there's still stories that I haven't heard and I love to hear them. <laughs> it doesn't bother me. It's okay if you, you know, People try to avoid conversations yeah. with me because they don't want to bring it up. They don't want to make me sad. I, yeah. uh, so many people know I am such an open book that I have no problem talking about it. It doesn't bother me. 
it's okay to be sad. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt my feelings. If you're going to make me cry, it's fine. Yeah. Um, but I was judged so much during everything that we went through and, oh, you're making the wrong decision. Oh, you should do this. Oh, you should do that. So I always felt like I was under a lot of judgment, but mm. you no. know what? I don't, it's... I, I, I try my hardest at this point in time in my life to say, this is a judgment-free zone. I'm not yeah. going to judge you because I know what that felt like. And I was not happy about it either. Mm-hmm. But you know what? You do you, I'll do me, and we'll be okay. Yeah. And we'll just keep going on. So what about you um, in moving forward and and not just focusing on, because, you know, as parents, we put so much focus on our kids and protecting them and making sure they're okay and give them what they need. But what about you? What have you done or do you continue to do for you to move forward? Okay. So in the beginning, I did grief counseling through the hospice company that we had. Um, Mm -hmm. That wasn't really a good fit for me. Um, I, it was an interesting factor to walk in mega pregnant again to your first counseling session and then to look at you and be like oh (laughs) I said yeah I'm not the typical looking widow you get around here so please don't put me in any group scenarios with people that are double my age Um, so everything was one-on-one in the beginning Mm -hmm. and this poor woman again everybody has their own road Uh, own journey all of that and this poor woman kept telling me you've got to change it up you have to redo your house you have to get rid of all of his belongings you need to put the urn away with his ashes in it you need to do this you need to do that and I was like yeah that's not happening Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can barely get myself from my car up to this office Mm -hmm. without huffing and puffing oh come to find out was severely anemic with Noah's pregnancy and I kind of forgot about that part so I had other issues going on and I, I needed to do what I needed to do and what felt right for me. Absolutely. And so I learned very early on um, not to listen to other people's take on any of it. Um, I was just going to continue doing what I needed to do. I have, like I said earlier, I've kind of jumped, you know, a little bit more feet first into my faith and I've really sought that relationship out for myself because that ultimately is what gets me through. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did the grief counseling for me, this kind of a thing, just talking about it. If Mm -hmm. I can help one person, I've done my job. I mean, this is, I feel that this is kind of what my plan is at this point in time and God's Mm -hmm. plan for me. And I am, I'm happy and willing to do it. Um, As evidenced by the amazing network of widows that I now know. Um, whenever somebody is in that type of situation or position, there are a number of people that know me and know I'm always willing to help somebody. And they call me up and say, hey, can you go chat with so-and-so and add another one onto my list? It's amazing how many widows you find when you're a widow yourself. 
Yeah. Well, I, and I, just on a little personal level, um, we had someone that we know who's very close to a family member of mine with a very difficult diagnosis and the positives yeah. that it looks like things are going to be fine um, but, in the long run. Yeah. Um, but everything about everything about that diagnosis was um, they had been, you know, married in the last couple of years brand new baby, this very scary diagnosis. And again, I know as much as you say, just, I need to talk about it. I need to talk about it. I don't want to flood you with the bad stuff, but all I could think is, cause you ask me monthly, what do you need for my prayer list? Yes, I do. <laughs> and I said, I, do. I need them on your prayer list. And the next thing you said to me was, if they need anything, here's my info. And they can reach out anytime because so much of that paralleled everything you went through. Yeah. That was, I didn't want my family member and their friends and that person's family to feel all the things that you and we felt with being, I mean, my, my family member almost kind of being in that same little outsider place, but it's your best friend. Yeah. yeah. So when I reached out to my family member and said, Jessica's here's Jessica's info. She said, if yeah. they need anything, let her know at any point, even know. just questions on processes. And I just, yeah. I thought again, I'm like, it's that, that strength that you muster up to be there to support other people rather than get fixated on difficult times you continue to go through with everything that you're putting yourself out there to help other people. And it just, again, it speaks volumes to who you are as a person um, and your, your faith and just everything about you. And this is where I start getting really, (laughs) I love you too. Thank trying you. to hold it together this whole time. It's okay. You don't have to hold it together. I've lost it too. But I mean, <sighs> for real, that is to me that that's what's so therapeutic is somebody else needs to know that you're not alone. You don't have to do this alone. You need somebody that you can just text and vent away and you're not going to be judged and you, you will be heard. And I'm only there to offer advice if you want it. If you don't want it, vent away. And I do have a couple other, like I said, widow moms that we will just do that with each other. And all of a sudden you're just going to get a raging text message. Oh my gosh, this, this, and this, and this. And it's like, yeah, I I get it. I'm sorry. And to have somebody say to you, I get it. And they do. Because they've literally been through the same thing. Literally dealing with the house, with their kids, with their family, with their friends, with whatever. It makes such an impact on you to know that you're not alone. And so that's just it. I don't, if I can help somebody, by all means, let me help somebody. Because I know that feeling of despair and isolation. I know that feeling of, oh my gosh, nobody would understand what I'm going through. 
I get it. And it's horrible. It's horrible. It's a lonely, lonely place to be when you need so many people around you at that point in time. Yeah. So yeah, that's, you know, I, I frequently hear, I get people reaching out to me all the time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. My family, my friends have this going on and I, I, without hesitation, here's my name and number. Here's my cell phone number. Here's my email, whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't care. I'm there. I don't have to know who they are. Just let me know how I can help because they're going to need it and they're not going to ask for it. And that's okay. But I, I, they will ask for it eventually and I'll still be there. So that's okay too. Well, thank you so much. I know this was not easy. No, but it was by any means. And I'm glad. And I'm, I love being able to talk to you. It's nice um, to be able to see you too. No, I know. Absolutely. I, I think it's been a year. I don't think I've seen you since, no, since your wedding. the wedding. Because then it was, you know, wedding and then holidays and then COVID. So and then COVID. I've seen nobody. Yeah. Um, no. Darn COVID. So again, thank you so much for My coming pleasure. and telling your story and hopefully giving other people some guidance and some hope and strength through all of this so um as always if you guys have any questions or if you would like jessica's contact information to reach out to her um you can email us at pmspodcast at gmail.com and i'd be happy to forward your information on to jessica so thank you again for coming on today and we'll talk to you guys next week thank you thank you